You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus, and uh, welcome to episode four of The Final Curtain Call. And I am joined by two very, very special guests today. I was only expecting one of them, but uh, he told me he had a special surprise for me, and now I know what that is. As a kid, I remember going uh, with the school to go and see a band in the town centre called the Pinkies. I didn't know a lot about them. Um, and over the years, I still remember that these guys seemed accessible. They didn't seem like the uh, people on top of the pops who seemed to come like come from somewhere else. These guys were proper proper blokes and proper people. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to meet them because I had to go back and do double maths. But um, I'm joined by Andy Price and Neville Kiddier from the Pinkies. How are Hi, you, Marcus. fellas? How are you doing? All right. I'm, I feel really old now, Marcus, because he was only eight when he came and saw our band. Yeah, well, I'm only 28 now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. You're, you're very well. You, as the last 18 months treated you, you've been all right? You've been not been able to play, I suppose. It's been a bit of a pain, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, I'll be honest, I'm quite lazy. I don't even sort of practice anything. Yeah, they tell me that. They tell no, me I that. am, though. I seriously am lazy. I can back that And up, so I sort of ploughed the last 16 months into doing my garden, like, you know, like putting new patios in and stuff like that. Yeah, and like nothing to do with music, really. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't really bother about songwriting much, to be honest. Right. Anymore. I was going to ask you that later. Yeah. Remember, like, I've got to ask. Okay, you, you got to ask me that later. But yeah, I mean, for for me, I, I found like I've had eighteen months where I could take a break. I didn't have to be that bloke. I didn't have to yeah. be the performer. I, I could just be me, and, and the voice has been well rested, and the the bones have been well rested. I'd, but I don't know how you feel if you Well, feel... you know, that, that was a really strange thing, you know, because it was actually illegal to sing, which is pr- pretty bizarre sort of situation for a singer to be in, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, um, one of the things... Um, hi, I'm Neville, by the way. Hi, Neville. Hello. Uh, thanks for inviting us down. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, one of the things I was doing before lockdown was singing in a choir locally in Chelsea, where I live, and that's the first time I've sung in a choir since... Well, I never sang in a choir till I was in my 50s. And I absolutely loved it. And, of course, that was all stopped. So all that social side was stopped. Um, the band Andy and I play with, the Beat Patrol. Yes. Which I'm now first reserved for. That's another story. Um, all the work just dried up, didn't it, you know? Well, People were trying to book well, us, but it yeah. became impossible yeah, because of the rules and regulations. Yeah, in the space of a weekend. Would, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just literally the phone's going, can't book. And the gig kind dried of up and um, it wasn't possible to do anything. I found it really frustrating. Yeah. And... On the other side of it, the first gig we did after the sort of 16-month gap, um, I was absolutely exhausted after the yeah. gig. Absolutely physically drained. Yeah, I found that. I, I found the, chops a bit. The back was hurting, the knees were yeah. hurting, the, the, the strap yeah. where the strap's yeah. been on. Voice was all right, funnily enough. But, yeah, my uh, voice was all right, but we, we had a rehearsal before, didn't we, a few mm. days before, and I struggled in the rehearsal because, you know, if it... If, if you're a singer, the more you sing, then you know the, the 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 better it is for your voice. But I think it's also adrenaline. 16, you use, you yeah, use adrenaline yeah. at a gig, and when you get over to, over thirty, like we are, you know yeah. that adrenaline takes a bit of replacing. The next day, you can feel like you've um, run a marathon. Adrenaline is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Gets you, gets you Until through. it goes. So I suppose, bearing in mind that uh, I mean we've got a lot to get through today. We could be here all night, but you know if you're happy, Fine. I'm happy. Um, you can always save some brilliant. I'll always, yeah, well, absolutely. I could get about six weeks out of this. I won't have to do anything Easily. at all. I've Easily. got a squeaky chair, by the way. It's not yeah, me making noises. And he's got a squeaky chair. Um, I suppose, seeing as how it's about the final curtain call, it's about some of these venues, and the double six or the flying childers keeps yeah. coming up. Yeah. So I think we might as well start there, and then we can sort of go back a bit and come forward a bit. So yeah. that particular time, you've got the flying childers, you've got a powerhouse, Langdon Hotel, which uh, Andy very kindly sent me a recording of uh, earlier on. Um, what was it like to be on that circuit? Was it networking all the time? Were you constantly playing? Did you? Because I know you guys had uh, later on. You had a um, res- was it like residency Tuesday night residency? The Pinkies at Double Six or that was a that? Thursday night. It was a Thursday uh, night. Our first gigs that we started doing yeah. with the Pinkies was in the Langdon Hotel, wasn't mm. it? And it was unusual in the fact that. W- we were probably the only band that got a residency doing original songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you look back on that, that's a you know that's quite bizarre. That's yeah, it's a big. And you know, obviously, we 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 had to sort of put about three or four like Beatles songs in, didn't we, or yeah. other songs? Also, just, because we liked playing them. Yeah, yeah. But, but also to fill the time out. Yeah. But that was unusual to get a residency. I can't remember what that was. A Friday, wasn't it? Friday night we used to do. Got me there. Right? 
It would probably be a Friday, yeah. Yeah, down the London Hotel. So you were moving in those circles, obviously, with, sure. uh, with, with people the likes of Steve Hooker and, and the Telecaster mm. Teds. Telecaster Ted was always around. Jam Nights, Terry Stewart, who was yeah, a mate Terry. of mine. What I've, I was amazed by, fellas, is, is, is what a small world it actually is. when I'm Because I'm coming into it, you know, 40 years later, like a, like a time machine. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, he knew him and they knew them and... And it's an unbelievably small world because obviously you, you were both together in Glider. Bronzy was in Glider. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously the Pinkies. I mean, th- with, with the most respect I could, I could obviously give you, looking at because I know sadly we lost Paul, uh, two thousand seventeen. Was very yeah. sad. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking then, looking back on it, he would have been sort of late twenties, probably thirty when the Pinkies broke. He was about he was about thirty. So he would have done he stuff was, before. Yeah. You all would have done stuff before. It's really funny because I, I saw all the guys that joined the Pinkies. I, I mean, obviously, I, I knew Neville from before. Yeah. But Neville was busy doing other things. So we start. I, I got Paul. I saw Paul was playing in a band called Minstrel, I think, or Fantasy, something like that. Anyway, was and he I standing was, on one leg playing a flute? Well, he, he did play he did flute and guitar, and that okay, was unusual yeah, at the same time. And uh, Paul Milligan was in the band with Paul. Um, who was on drums? Um, I can't remember. No. But I actually, for for the Pinkies, I got Paul, you know. On so you headhunted him? I sort of, I, I sort of headhunted all yeah. the band, really. Right. It was a bit naughty. I just nicked, like, a member from each band. Yeah, just but you're moving in those circles. You're networking yeah. all the time. Just trying to replace me, really, weren't you, with all these people? Yeah, he never yeah. got round to that, did no. he? No. He's still, still here all these years later. <laughs> You've got to be doing something right now. Yeah, we met when we were, I was 20, you were 21, and um, you and Kevin Turner were playing the pubs around, Chel- uh, sorry, around Basildon then as a duo, two acoustic yeah. guitars, okay. Yamahas, I think, two acoustic Yamahas, and you were called Ripoff. That's right, we, but this is, God, this is about 1973, But strangely enough, we were called Ripoff, you were doing original songs. Yeah, we were, and <laughs> even then. And I was playing in um, a rock band in Romford, playing congas, funnily enough, and Latin American percussion, Thinking we were Santana, we weren't. Right, turned yeah. out because they were. Oh right, yeah, okay. <laughs> and our, our drummer, Dave Engel, fantastic drummer. I think he's still playing, isn't he? Great drummer, anyway. Yeah, he's a great. Drummer. He was. Uh, he worked in the city with Kevin Turner, your <coughs> co-songwriter, and basically we he poached the whole band and we became your backing band, didn't we? So you, you yeah. and Kevin were the writers, and we came along as a ready-made session. And then to trot, and off we went. Yeah, and then we 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 got a manager, Laurie J who was successful in the early 60s. He, he was basically a top session drummer mm. in his career. Played on Out of Time for Chris Farley. Chris Farley. That's him uh, banging away on the drums. He, used to play, he, he stood in, he you're going to love this, he stood in as a drummer for The Shadows at one where, in Australia oh, when right. the drummer was ill. Yeah. They, he flew over there and he Moving stood in. He was a veteran of the 50s and 60s yeah. rock and roll movie. He played with Gene Vincent. Right. I mean, you know, that's proper sort that's of... That's proper... Pedigree, well, isn't it? God yeah. rest his soul. If he was here today, you could do a podcast on him. It would take about a year, wouldn't yeah, yeah, it? Yeah, stories he could tell. <laughs> and he got us a deal with Warner Brothers. Yep, yeah. yeah. in Glider, that was 75, 75, 76. So yeah. uh, obviously, and I know you appeared on top of the pops on the first of January, nineteen seventy-six. You did, we um, did. Along the with uh, they played a video of Bohemian Rhapsody and also yeah. Slick. Uh, Mamma Mia had just come out, and yeah, Slick was Slick. Slick. And um, that was scary, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I'm and also, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Dana had a hit out, and, and I believe in Father Christmas was out at that oh, particular classic, time. Yeah. So you were on that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were the best thing. New on. Year's Eve. Yeah. Oh, I was imagining you probably were. <laughs> Well, it, it was, was the New Year's Day New Year's program. Day yeah. episode. Yeah. And we um, were the band to watch out for. That's right, yeah. And we had a, a deal with Warner Brothers, and the managing director of Warner Brothers was Derek Taylor, who was the Beatles road manager. Publicist. No, he, he was, he was their, their publicist. Oh, yeah. was, he was their yeah. publicist. He did that whole tour of America with them. And I I used to love going up to, to Warner Brothers because Derek Taylor would in call Soho, me in the office and just tell me these incredible stories about the Beatles because you know when 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 the Beatles were in America with thousands of screaming girls yeah. outside the hotel he was in the hotel room with fending off the press that he was there all the time wasn't he, he wow. was there and it was god I can tell you some stories about the I'm Beatles sure, but not yeah. here not in fact, here. he named Glider <laughs> because he came down to see us at the Marquee Club in yeah, London that's right. and um, he brought his son along who was about 16 he said well if my son likes you I'll sign you he's luckily his son liked us so we went up to the office, like, the next day in Soho to sign. 
And he said, I want to do one thing for you. He said, I want to change your name. We were called Glider with an I. So I want yeah. to change it to Glider with a Y. So I did that for the birds in America. You may have heard of them. Yeah, of course. He said yeah. it worked for them. It might work for you. It didn't, but God bless him. He yeah. tried, oh, didn't you he? Got, you got an album out there and you got signed oh, by we Warner did. Brothers. Yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, you and we had and a 40-piece you... orchestra. And our first single was remixed by Lieber and Stoller. Now, that's yeah, something. That's proper, you know, to yeah. be 19 and to have one of your songs out, your first single... Yeah. And to have Lieber and Stoller remixed it, I mean, they are huge, aren't yeah. they? Well, just and we went and the back to the what we were talking about, the, the local pub scene, and yep. pub rock scene. Yep. So this is 75. I mean, we'd come straight from the, was it the what was the pub I said, the Plough and Tractor. Yeah, we played there. Still there. Still there. Yeah, still there. So it's not one that's gone. It's not one that's gone. But the gig may have gone. I don't know. Yeah. But we played there, and people were hanging off the rafters. We really built up a following there. Yeah, we did. And uh, yeah, we went from there. Got signed and. Yeah, I mean, this is going to happen from went. time to time when when I do these podcasts, because I, there's so much I want to talk to you about, so many things I want to get through. Yeah. Um, and I, I spoke when I spoke to Steve Hooker just very briefly on the phone. He's going to do a, a, an interview with me in a couple of weeks, which I'm really looking forward to as well. Yeah, he said to me, and it seems very true of you guys reading the sleeve notes from your, from the Pinkies album. And I don't know if it, if the same is true for for Glider. I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. Um, that. People these days, the musicians these days, are more interested in trying to reproduce live what's on their album. Whereas when you're, you're doing it night after night, you're trying to get down on the album the energy of what you do live. Oh, absolutely yeah. right. Do you yeah. think that that's we what's absolutely always what, trying to one do of that, the big changes? Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, the Pinkies album is recorded in about four or five days. Minimal really post yeah. as well, which yeah. is, as you said, on the yeah. sleeve notes. But you're playing all the time. Yeah. So you you go in and th- you know the songs inside out. Yeah. I mean the Pinkies had probably been together for about fourteen months, mm. and then we and then you know we got signed to Creole. Yeah. And we were the band was so tight it was unbelievable. Well, see, know. looking at the Pebble Mill show. And yeah. The, and now life. bear in mind that that story sleep, I told you. Well, well, that actual video <laughs> on YouTube is Pebble Mill at one. That's right. Yeah. And we had a gig in Greenwich, I think, wasn't it? And we and we oh, Greenock. Anyway, a long way away. Yeah, we had to travel all night because you have to be there for mm. 10 o'clock in the morning for rehearsals for a live show. Sure. And I, I actually sung one of the verses because Paul could not do it. He's, he's, <laughs> and he, he said to me, if, he said, if I give you a look, yeah. can you sing, you know, like the second verse? And I went, yeah. And he actually had his glasses on. Yeah. Paul never, ever <laughs> wore glasses on TV. Yeah, never. I noticed that. Just trying to stay awake. And did you see the audience? Yeah, all, all our ladies in colour. Yeah, really, we, two coach we, we, we Yeah, I think looked yeah. as confused as we did, didn't they? To be honest. Yeah, I, I think we should have played a game of bingo. That probably would that would have been better. better. I think they probably would have appreciated a bit more. <laughs> I think maybe they come out and say four and one forty-one. I know. Um, but you, you guys did lots of the things that you'd Saturday Superstore. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sally four, James. Uh, Sally, yeah, you did a four-song sh- uh, four live set on Radio 1 or Radio 2 from somewhere in London. Well, Do you remember that enough, went live at the time or, yeah. or, or was... Well, there's cool? a story here. There's a story there. So, yeah, yeah as I think you mentioned on your last podcast, podcast that the original bass player was Bob Hector. Bob Hector, Bob Hector with yeah. the Pinkies. So Andy had... Um, Formed this band without inviting me, I might add. Right. So I've gone back to my day job in Barking, painting lorries up a ladder, because um, they're big. And yeah. um, I was on my ladder. Only little. On my ladder, <laughs> a few years after Glider had finished, I tried to put Andy out of my mind, to be honest. Yeah, and anyway, I feel that way already. I hear this voice, <laughs> I think, God, that sounds like Andy. Sure enough, anyway, it was the Pinkies' first single. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I've heard, I'd heard the band was forming, had formed, and I'd heard good things, you know. I hadn't seen them. So I thought, well, well done them, you know, well done. And I wasn't um, jealous or anything, but I thought, you know, good luck to them, you know. Anyway, got down off the ladder, went home. A week later, um, I got the call from Andy. He said, um, Bob, is our bass player is leaving, and would you like to come along and um, see if you want to do it, try out for the gig or do the gig? So I said, um, yeah. I mean, I had quite a good business going, but I thought, well, if I can fit it in. Yeah. So the first time I saw the Pinkies was the gig you were talking about, which was um, the Radio 1... Live in concert, it was called live made in concert. Available. Yeah, there's only one but track. It was either made available, or I'm up in the Paris studio, Regents in Regent Street. I think it was that one. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, I seem to think it was made available. So I came along anyway. It was recorded in an evening. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the DJ that introduced it. And Laurie was there. Yeah. And also in the audience sitting next to me was Catherine Howe. 
It was That's one, right. It was the other, it was one of Laurie's acts, the very posh. She had a single called Harry or something, wasn't it? Was yes. it Harry? The sun, the moon and Harry. Yeah. That one. This is why I never let Neville yeah. sing in the band. Yeah, no. Yeah, she was sitting next to me, <laughs> chatting away. She was, to be honest, she was chatting me up. What can I say? Right, well, yeah. And that was the first time I saw the band. And I thought I was blown away. They were so tight, as you say, brilliant. Yeah. And uh, Bob left for whatever reasons, and well, I joined. Yeah. That was the thing about it, is how tight it is, bearing in mind yeah. that you've gone into the studio and, as you said on the sleeve notes, it's it's basically the minimum of overdubs. Yeah. But it has an energy to it that so many records these Thank days, you. and I hate to sound like my dad, but so many artists these days don't have because they're so intent on getting it, every single thing precisely right and they've probably got six or seven backing vocalists and mm. two or three guitars on each track. And here's you going in and making an album in, what did you say, it was a week? It was about a week. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't it? Old school, yeah. Absolutely. And I told you on the phone that I've got an exclusive for you. You did. And apart, from, apart from Neville coming tonight... Which is an exclusive. Which is me. a joy. You are the first person in the world that is going to hear this news. Oof. Right? I've said that I'm going to announce it on Monday okay. on Facebook. Okay. Okay, because this is going out on Friday, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, yes. Right. The, obviously, the Pinkers will never reform because Paul. Yes, you know we, we lost Paul, and he was like really the, voice, the voice of the Pink of the yeah. Pinkies. But Paul Reynolds, our drummer, his son Jay used to come and watch us as a little boy. He did. But Jay Reynolds is now one of the top sound engineers in the world and producer. And producer, he has just won two Grammys, and, it and the Brit. Wow. And and a Brit Award. And he phoned up his dad a few months ago and said, Dad, why is the pinky stuff not on, you know... All digital the, all, platforms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the um, digital platforms. Yeah, because we, we don't went, know how to do it. said, so, well, we, we don't know. Hmm. Because, you know, we actually came out before CDs. The pinkies were before CDs. Yeah. It was 78, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 78. <laughs> but anyway, so, Jay has managed to track down the master, like the two-inch master tapes, yeah. well, half of them anyway. Okay. And he's he's done a little bit of work on them to brighten them up a little bit. He, he said, I, you know, I, I don't want to sort of spoil that that sort of 80s yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, the energy. Absolutely, the, yeah. the energy. But he has, he's done a bit of work on the tracks. Cleaned them up. And it looks like the Pinkies album is going to be re-released as a 40th anniversary version. But a digital version, digitally done. Mm -hmm. And on this stick I'm going to give you now right. is the album, the remixed album. Wow. I can say he's got and that is a little it. gift for you. Oh, I really you appreciate that. <laughs> That's really cool. Thank you. For those you of you will in, be the first person. For those of you it. in listening land, I've got goosebumps. That something yeah. like that is so that is so brilliant because I wondered for years why why the stuff hadn't come out and mm. I just assumed it was contractual or no. it just well, maybe sometimes no. lots of albums released on vinyl that don't end yeah. up maybe for record company reasons or whatever. And I always felt there was something missing and it wasn't there because it had such a great and, and I think it, it sort of has a place in time. So it came under yeah, the yeah. power pop genre. Yeah, we accept that. Which I think is is fair. I mean, I've said before, it's no secret on my podcasts that I look at it and I think there's no there's no such thing as a genre because it's yeah. good or it's bad. Yeah. You know, and it's okay for a guy in a suit to listen to rap and it's okay for a dustman to listen to Michael Bublé. Absolutely. And, you know, but I always felt that from the first time, I mean, as a as a eight year old kid, I remember seeing you as I said in the town town centre, which I'll ask you about that mm. show in a minute. Um, but then to, to get that album, I traced this album down years later um, and to hear it, and I thought, it just bounces along. It's got such a great energy to it. Obviously, I, I'm fairly new to the glider material. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been researching for over the last few weeks. I knew you'd done something before the Pinkies. Glider was kind of your songwriting apprenticeship, I think, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Glider I mean, it way. sounds very dated now, Glider, because it's from well, the it, 70s. It's of its time, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. There's nothing to be ashamed on the album at all. No. It's really... Of course, we went into IBC Studios, which doesn't exist anymore. That was a studio where the Who recorded, the Bee Gees yep. recorded. Yep. We had the same string arranger that the Bee Gees, Bee Gees used on Massachusetts. Fantastic. Same guy. And when you listen Bill, to the string arrangements, Bill, Bill Shepard. Bill Shepard. Bill, Bill Shepard. And when you listen to the string arrangements, you say, yeah, OK, that's Bill Shepard. Mm. We had a 40-piece orchestra accompanying us. So, in a way, we had the most marvellous um, apprenticeship. Yeah, any, we did. 
local pop musician could wish for. And young blokes as well. Still, and still we were young. young. We had the best guys. manager. It didn't cost us a penny. And when no. we left the contract, we walked away. We didn't know anybody anything, which is unheard of. That's unheard of. Laurie J was yeah. so sharp on the money. Yeah. And he basically he he blagged the studio time and downtime. Mm-hmm. We went in there whenever, didn't we? Sort of midnight and uh, all sorts of odd times when it wasn't being used. He blagged the engineer to become the producer. Yeah, Mike and, uh, Clayton. Yeah, it didn't cost us a penny. We produced the whole album before Warner's even heard it. Wow. Then he basically sold them the whole package. Here it is finished. Just good, just good at his job. Genius. Just good at Genius. Great. putting it out there. We lost you? him four, three or four years ago. Yeah, three or four years ago. Which was really big. So I was curious, Andy as well, just uh, sorry to miss you out, Neville. You can just take a sip of your beer. Um, when, you, when we're talking about the songwriting, um, writing with um, Kevin. Kevin. Um, did you find that that was a different experience to writing? Was was the Pinky stuff more about your style, and then working with Kevin kind of took, or were you kind of writing uh, uh, to kind of fit in with what was uh, around at that time, or, or have you never done that? Have you just written what came to you? And no, I, I think with me and Kevin, I mean, you know, we were very young. You know, like yeah. we were like fifteen. We were friends, and we, you know, uh, he'd be round my house, or I'd be round his house, and we'd just sit there with two guitars and write a song. Mm. Fifteen, yeah, you know. And then when when Glider started, I think we was about nineteen, weren't yeah, we? 19, so me and Kevin had, had written quite a lot of songs, but I no song was 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 the same as any other song. Yeah, it was I, I've always had a thing in my head about writing songs, you know, like I. Right, everyone who knows me knows that I'm a, I'm an absolute crazy Beatle freak. Yeah, I love the Beatles more than any other band in the world, right? But something like their catalogue of four or five hundred songs, there isn't one song that sounds like another Beatles song, no, and that is no. just an incredible, incredible achievement it is, yeah. as a songwriter and yeah. as a songwriting team. And I always sort of base my songwriting on that, try and make it as different as mm. possible. Because I sort of grew up listening to bands, they have a hit, and then the second song sounds almost sounds, identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, even though we were kids, we made that conscious sort of decision. And then, and then in, the, in, the, in the late years with the Pinkies, I was just like a machine. Yeah. I used to get up, I'm going to write a song today. Yeah. And I'd sit there in my room, and I mean, I had an old piano in the room, which, which wasn't particularly greatly in tune, but I used to just get ideas yep. off the piano, and I don't even play piano. No, but you... But I, I found that I could get ideas quicker from a yeah. piano, and in fact, Danger Games was the first song I ever wrote using a piano. Okay. And I don't know why, but it, it was. I just wonder, because, you know, that, that sort of thought process... Is very much a case of you write whatever you want to write, and yeah. then when it when the band get hold of it, that's what makes it the pinkies. Exactly. That's what makes it exactly. It's like the country yeah. artists. If you listen yeah. to some of the country stuff, some of it's quite rock and quite rock and roll. But once they put that twang on it, yeah. the voice on it, it becomes country. So you're writing whatever you want to write. You're not writing yeah. trying to have a hit single, which is what so many of them fall into yeah. that trap. And and not off the top of my head, there's a two or three, but I won't mention them on here. Mm. But they write one, and then all of a sudden you think, sounds like the last single, sounds like the yeah. last single, yeah. because they tap into something. Whereas you're truer to yourself, writing. Yeah, and I'm and I'm um as as a songwriter, I'm very generous. Like with a bang, so I just go and say, right, this is a song. Never would yeah. do his bit. Yep. Max would put his individual licks. I wouldn't say, no, I don't like that, Max. Yeah, everyone's I, got I'm not like that. Yeah, we would you know, arrange everyone it together, would, yeah. We would all do the arranging together. But then you're playing so much. So if you're bringing a new song in, maybe, yeah. you know, you sort of say, I'll bring this new song in, rehearse it through a couple of times. Yeah. It's in the set. And then maybe a month later it takes shape and... Yeah, it develops. You know, yeah, and yeah, they would develop know. on stage, wouldn't they, before you were Yeah, I mean, you can hear on that, that Langdon Hotel... Yeah, that song that you know, Max is like playing the guitar solo. Nothing like what it is on the record. No, different. No, different. Uh, yeah. A different thing. But the um, as we said, the, just just the album coming together. There's there's a couple of lovely ballads on that. You don't yeah. love her anymore. She's, and again, yeah, lovely. As you say, it's it's all just you writing whatever you want to write. Yeah. And um, you've you know, always loved a big ballad, haven't you, Andy? Yes. And there's a always. couple on the Glider album as well, and there's a couple on the Pinkies album. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they would suit any. Uh, Ballad singer or boy band, you know. That's always on on that sort of sideline. That's always been my main ambition. Not even so much in playing in bands. As a songwriter, I've always wanted someone to cover one of my songs. Of course, right. And I got so close on two occasions 
but it just didn't Who happen. was that with? The first one was um, Demis Roussos, believe okay. it or not. Yeah, that song called Simple Song. Do you remember that? Where you've yeah. done all the rundown all on the, the mandolin. mandolin. Work, yeah. And he would have done it on a bazooki. And the second one, I just woke up one day, and I, I swear to God, I just woke up and said, right, I'm going to write a song. I'm going to write a song for Shaking Stevens. Hmm. So I wrote a song for Shaking Stevens, sent it off. Um, he had a German manager at the time, a woman who was quite. Um, Quite frightening, apparently, in 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 management terms. Yeah, yeah. And um, it got got quite close. She listened to it. She went, "I'll have to think about it." Blah 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 blah. But it didn't happen. But that's always been my ambition: get someone else. I There's mean, still time. Yeah, there is. Of course and now, time. obviously, because the pinky stuff's coming out on digital. Yeah. It's going to open up a whole new world. People can listen to the songs that didn't couldn't do before. No, that's it. It's is just... it coming out in vinyl as well? Did I hear that? Well, no. There's well, a they. Rumor. No, it's. Possibly going to come out on vinyl. Um, a very large record company um, are seriously looking at it, but they 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 want to launch it on the on the digital platforms first to yeah. see what sort of well, yeah, reaction cool. they get because it's all different now. Everything's changed. So nobody gets off the backside anymore and walks no. down to the record shop. Yeah, they just and, and nobody plays an album. So this is the thing about having no. your album on vinyl. Was I put it yeah. on and I had to listen to that. Well, not had to listen to the whole album. That sounds you like, would, wouldn't you? You would, yeah. But you listen to the whole Side album. One. And, you know, you, you don't just click on your favourite tracks. No. And that's where vinyl and, and uh, you know, the, today has that's changed so much yeah. that uh, vinyl album you put on and you sit back and listen to it as a body of work. And it's very yeah. much like a... I don't know how you feel about it, Andy, but it's very much like um, a... Uh, kind of a, a diary of where you are at that time in your mm. life. Yeah, I think and maybe, you know, yeah. and even looking back on it now. See, when I hear your, your stuff, particularly um, I'm Feeling Lonely, that was one, I think you opened with that in the town. Yeah, in the town yeah we often used to open with that. Yeah, it's a good opener. It yeah. is. So to Great hear that to on, on, the, on the album, you know, years later, when I finally tracked it down, and then just to listen to the whole album, I love it. I, I mean, uh, no, no word of a lie, I'm not going to blow smoke where, the, where smoke doesn't need to be. I, I, I've always admired... The album. I've always thought that it was, it had its place, and I always felt that it should have been. Somebody should have done something with it. Thank it you. shouldn't just be confined to history and 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 likes of me having to go through a rare record shop to get yeah. hold of it, because it deserves its place. The songs are great, the energy's great, and and you played great on it because you were playing all the time. Yeah. And that's the secret of it. And that's yeah. where, when I came along, ten years after you, you gentlemen, it. Uh, we had sort of five years of trawling around and playing. I mean, I probably, I don't think I played the Flying Shoulders or the Double Six or any of those. Mm. I might have done the Powerhouse, but I was probably drunk and I don't remember it. Um, but Vange and Pitsy and some of those ones and uh, Langdon Hotel and stuff like that was not really a music venue when I came along. Yeah. Um, the Town Gate, because it used to be Basel and Arts Centre was... Yeah, I did that yeah. a few times. Was that... that, that did was the like, Blues Festival there, yeah. Yeah. and well, We um, supported Wally Whiten. Wally Whiten. Was that... Richie Cat Willem. Yeah, that he was... wasn't um, there. Five anyway, club. Da, 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 da. He's a Do you remember that? He is actually a Wally Whiten. Wally Whiten was yeah. there. He's a top country artist, though, in he, reality. Well, he was, a, he was um, a skiffle artist oh, back right. in the day. And so he came along and did skiffle music with just him and a guitar. He was actually pretty good. Yeah. When we saw the name, we thought, because we were um, a serious heavy blues band. That was with um, Diz yeah. and the guys. Yeah, quite a heavy blues band, harmonical and rest of it. We Wally said, White. we're supporting Wally Whiten. But when when we when we watched him, he played a lot of um, sort of American folk songs, and he was really good. Yeah. But you, I mean, you worked with Leo Sayer, didn't you? At Hammersmith. Oh, yeah. Well, that we that did a whole an, tour with him. That did a whole tour with that Leo. That was an eye opener, wasn't 1976. it? Nineteen seventy six. Yeah. That was that was incredible. Big apprenticeship. We did every big theatre in. We did the Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah, we, we did, did every Glasgow big theatre around Britain. Every yeah. big. Venue. Sell out everyone. Great experience. Uh, yeah, we we only had, we Queen, only had um, half times. an hour, didn't we, or forty minutes? Forty minutes. We bumped into Queen on the road at the Holiday Inn. They were just they just that's released another story. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And yeah, because uh, yeah. they were on the on the, on the top of the pops episode that I talked about. Yeah. Earlier, so we there. bumped in there. We, 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 uh, we used to bump into them quite a lot, didn't yeah. we? And they were and 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 it was quite funny because you know they 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 were staying in the same hotel as us, Holiday Inns and all that. And so were they, and we were gigging, but they they were gigging the, the next night. Yeah. So they were there, and it's quite funny. Quite often we sort of got yeah, back so from the gig. in the morning in the bar, yeah. Yeah, having a drink with Queen. Freddie was never there. No. No. 
But just, just the others. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's looking after the vocal cords, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But it's really funny because the drummer, what's the drummer? I've forgotten the drummer's Roger name. Taylor. Roger yes. Taylor. Yeah. He used to have stripy pyjamas in the bar. Is it? I mean, I'm talking about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, you know, everyone else in the hotel has gone to bed. <laughs> and we're just sitting there having a few beers and all that. So you're on tour, Leo Say. You're, you're, yeah. you're learning about your industry. Still. Learning that craft, yeah. yeah. Learning your craft, and that's that's something that you can't, you know, you can't put a, a substitute for experience. It doesn't yeah. matter how many rehearsals you have. It's, uh, I think, in this day and age, people are looking for that instant reaction. I mean, yeah. you can you can ring up Greg's and get a sausage roll delivered to your door, right? For it as an example of where we are now. My daughter had it the other day. She, <laughs> it's pretty sad. That's the phone, and a woman that. turns up with a panel of chocolate and two sausage rolls. I said, what's that? She said, I did Uber Eats. God help us all. And that's, but, but back then, it was a case of... <laughs> I don't know why I tell you that. I don't know why I told you that. No, it's, but it it's is, typical, though. It's just typical it's, of life now. People want that instant reaction. Yeah. But back then, you come in with an idea, yeah. the band get hold of it, you put it together, and then, you, and then your instant reaction is sort of 10 o'clock on a, on a Thursday night when you play it to yeah. see yeah. what the audience do. Exactly. And these days, everybody's so intent on making the perfect album mm. that they're telling you it's perfect as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, at that particular time when you're doing that circuit, you're kind of building up this fan base and then people are interested, you know, record companies or people are coming to you because they can see the noises that you're making. Yeah. Whereas now someone gets a record deal based on some talent show or something, goes and does the O2 or Hammersmith Odeon, they've got like 45 minutes of material. They've got yeah. to do two hours. Yeah. So all they do is what the likes of us do on a Saturday night, just play yeah. somebody else's stuff. Yeah. And earn a living. It's mental, isn't it? It is. It's a very different to, world. Actually, you know, just just going back to, you know, like playing times. Far away. You know, I mean, at my age, I'm finding it really hard now because, you know, the pubs used to be start half past eight, oh, do an hour you. till half past nine, yeah, then yeah, 10 yeah. o'clock, two eleven. Finish. Good night. Thank you. Good night. But yeah. now it's like till 12 o'clock, 12.30. Yeah, everything's midnight now. And I think round about quarter past 11... You lose half your audience. You do, yeah. Because they do. want to get home in a cab before yeah. it goes up to double fear. Yeah. Well, I know, I know you gentlemen play the same similar venues mm, to yeah. me, the Van Der Pitsy, maybe Ambleside. Yeah, all those clubs. So British I always Legion find clubs. Leg Legion clubs. And Ambleside is one that, that was a, a lovely little 8.30 to 9.30, 10 to 11, thank you, good night. Yeah. Now it's midnight and you've got people sort of waving to you 20 minutes for your last set. Yeah. I know. Lovely to see you. And, and you know, I know. I don't know what it's, it is. It's and you like think people like, you know, value from yeah. money or something. No, but, it. but it just doesn't work no. for entertainment because the last thing you want to see is your audience walking out yeah. when you, you've only just done 15 or 20 yeah. minutes of your second set because you know by the time you finish mm. with a big finale... There's only going to be no ten people in the club. There's no one there. It's... No, but it is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It is. It, it's... Why do we put up with it? Well, I, I suppose. Let's try and re-educate sure. everybody. They never pay you anymore either exactly. for the twelve o'clock finishes. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, some of them, the midnight finishes. It's just for me, it's just greed. Yeah. Yeah. How long can we get? We can leave the yeah, bar exactly, up yeah. another hour. Yeah. And for me, it killed it. I always think, I think uh, so. as I said, short and sweet. For for my for my generation, if you like, there's a song there. Mm. <laughs> um, it was very much a case of I saw the end of that 8.30 to 9.30 10 to 11 lovely yeah. job yeah. done and then all of a sudden it became half 11 then it became midnight mm. and then it became mm. sometimes on at midnight some of the clubs and stuff like that and and I feel like the energy out of it I think. yeah you don't you, you can't build even thinking back to all of your projects that you've, that you've yeah. been involved in over the years how important I think it is that you kind of pace your set Absolutely. According to your playing times. Yeah. So you look at it and you think, well, when it used to be 8.30 to 9.30, 10 to 11, you knew your second half songs, you knew your first half songs, and you could pace it. And you build yeah. it, yeah. Now you find, because people are leaving, you're killing time the last half an hour to a certain extent. You're thinking, if well, you're what, not careful, yeah, try absolutely. a couple of bits out that you wouldn't normally play, and you lose the magic. So when the pinkies would have been flying around sort of 80, mm. 81, and people are coming to see you, and as you said, they're, well, they're, they're hanging off the rafters. Oh, wow. Well, you know how to pace your set. You know yeah. you're not going to open with the strongest song. You know everything. Yeah. You know, that, that curve that I call it, which is like a curve of yeah. playing, where you, you build them up, you peak, and then just wind them down a bit. Thank every, you very much. Every artist does that. Yeah. And then you can't do that when all of a sudden the audience kind of go the other way. Yeah. There's loads there at the start, and then it gets really, really quiet, and a few people coming at the end. You talk about that, though. I mean, when, when we used to play down the Flying Childers, if yes. I can move on to the Flying Childers, we used to play there on a Thursday night. Yep. And by the time we stopped playing there, 
every Thursday. We had to get there so early in the evening because we couldn't even get our cars in the car park. Yeah. You know, because it was just jammed. I've never seen... To this day, I have never seen a pub as packed as the Flying Childers when we was there on a Thursday night. Have Mm. you? No. I mean, you know, I used to have to get my wife to start getting a drink... 20 minutes before the break. You still do that. No, <laughs> no, because the queue was, it was just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And then it, in the end, it became a real problem because the, the manager said, I'm losing money, really, because there's so many people, people can't get to the bar. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to have to start charging people at the door. Mm. It was only a pound. It was not a lot of money. But it made up for the money that he was losing that people weren't spending over the bar because they couldn't get See, to the bar. He could have employed another bar It's not person. your fault. If he could have employed another bar person, really, but he didn't think of that. No, but you couldn't even get to the bar. It took so long. Mm. So it seems to me as if the du- double six are flying shoulders. When, when, because I, as I say, my some of my research is a bit blurred. When did it become, was it the flying shoulders from 1976 Red Rum opened it or something? I think, it, yeah, it was, it was in the mid-70s. But, I mean, you know, I didn't play up there until, you know, the 80s. Yeah, you never played it as Glider. Was that, no. that a separate Was that like a separate circuit you were on? Or was that yeah, well, with, with Glider, we, we used to do the... Um, the Plan Tractor. Tractor was the big one for us. Yeah, yeah. and we didn't really do any, any others because... I think it, we did the Bull. Didn't we do the yeah, Bull? Surely must quite have possibly. But Is we the Bull it, what became the powerhouse... Uh, I have to it's defer to Andy. I'm from Dagenham, you see, so Andy's the... Um, yeah, Powerhouse, it was the ball for a while. It was on, and then um, it was the Powerhouse. Yeah, it was yeah. on uh, Cale Road. Yeah. Is it, that's, yeah, because there's a couple, there's another ball in Pitsy that... Yeah, yeah, the ball on Clayhill Road. Yeah. I mean, that that was another great venue yeah, for bands. Yeah, it became the Powerhouse in the end. Yeah, because they used to have bands, I think, nearly every night of the week in there. Yeah, yeah. So, Andy, what changed um, for our generation? I mean, I'm 66. Six this now. is a good point. So I was born in 55. Now, you're going to find this very interesting. Oh, fire I hope. <laughs> and we were chatting on the way up, weren't we, when we were driving yeah. up here. Mm. And I said, I think what what changed for, for t- into into pub rock was uh, when Andy and I were lads. So I was a 15, 14, 15-year-old 15 in Dagenham. We had three gigs we could go to on a Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Friday or Saturday night. There were three venues. There was the Dagenham Roundhouse. Right. And there was a massive hall at the back. I mean, a big function room. And I saw... This would have been late 60s, so it would have been 69 to 73 was the peak. I saw Free, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd, Status Quo, Fairbrook Convention, Heads, Hands, Feet. I'd just go All on. In the hall. We'd go every week. We didn't even know who was on. No. We'd just turn up, go in, pay our 25p, go in and watch these fantastic bands. And it was so loud. Yeah. I mean, massive rigs. And then we had that one. We had the Romford Marketplace was the King's Head. They had a slightly smaller function room. Again, packed out. Edgar Broughton, all these guys. Um, and then we had the Elm Park Hotel. And we went round, trawled round that, those three circuits in our loon pants and our velvet T-shirts. <laughs> Sometimes on our scooters. Are they the ones you came today in? Yeah, the loon yeah, pants. Yeah, wearing my velvet <laughs> loons for old time's sake. Thank God this but is what, not a video. But what changed was all those bands, of course, then took off and were suddenly playing the Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah. Um... And the the pubs the pubs would no longer have bands in the halls at all because they'd become too big to play in them. They all disappeared, and then pub rock started, and all of a sudden the uh, bands were playing in the pub bar itself, mm. which was never happened before that. Yeah, and it was rock. quite a strange thing. It was the early seventies. All of a sudden, you go into a pub and there was a band playing in the corner in a way that we never used to see that. And that was kind of a mini revolution, which right. led to where we started in seventy five, seventy four, yeah. seventy five with Glider. And off we went, yeah, playing in the pub itself. Where stages were built. Yeah, but we, before that, it was a different scene. Actually, it was a, it was the true. rock scene developed in in the back of pubs. Mm. Then what we did developed in the pub, pub rock. But that's real, though, isn't it? You know, if you're yeah. playing yeah. in a pub, that's real life. There's no. It was very down to earth. Yeah, yeah and, and you I get, like being. I've always liked that feeling of being close to the audience. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would much rather play on a small stage with a hundred people right close to me. Yeah. Than I yeah. would to play on a big stage with a thousand people. Yeah, because which we've done. I mean, we did the hammers with. Yeah, we've done. Audience, we've done all we? that. And yeah. it's very remote, isn't it? Yeah, you I mean, you really, can't even see your audience. You have to you work know, really hard stage to, to connect with the audience, don't you? You know, it's yeah. a different technique. You know, I mean, yeah. I think I remember a manager saying to us at the time, just pick a point at the right at the back of the theatre and play to that. 
And uh, that's what yeah. we always did, you know. Whereas in a pub, you could make eye contact, you know. Yeah. You could have a drink thrown at you. I think you had to take Peanuts. I'm sure. I, I must tell you just one, one really funny story about the binkies, <laughs> if that's okay, right? That's we had a gig. Don't ask me how we got the gig. It was in Streatham. Streatham Ice Rink, wasn't it? We were supporting Bad Manners. No, it was Hammersmith... Hammersmith Paddy. Hammersmith Paddy. Yeah, supporting right? Bad Manners. We're... We're, we're supporting Bad Lovely Manners. man, Buster. Yeah. yeah. But their manager walked in. Their, their, their manager was, um, I, I don't know how you say it anymore. No, he, he was... Um, very small. Very very small, small guy. Yeah, he was a small bloke. Small yeah. 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 Vertically challenged. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And he had like um, a Mac on and a hat. <laughs> and he, he came up to, he came up and he said um are you he said are you going to be okay tonight and i went absolutely yeah absolutely mm. and then the doors opened and it was about 900 skinheads <laughs> and i looked at it and i just thought mm, i don't know how good are we going to go yeah how, how are we going to go down here anyway the story is uh, richard skinner the radio one dj was there and he introduced us didn't he, he? loved us didn't he? yeah he really was a fan of the band and um Anyway, he introduced us, and we, we would like, you know, the, the support band. We'd done the first song, and then they all started spitting us. Now, you know, when you've got a 1,000 people spitting at you, and you're they right at the all front... They weren't only 500 of them. Yeah, only yeah. 500 of them. Well, the ones down the Because that, that, that's what they used to do. Yeah. Anyway, it was awful for me, oh, and it God. was awful for Paul, because we were at the front. You know, yeah. when you've got 50, like 500 people spitting at you, it's, it's That's not... why I took his glasses off. Yeah, it's really not nice. See, <laughs> without a windscreen wipe. <laughs> but then, on the second song, halfway through the second song, someone threw a coin, and it hit me on the head. And I turned around to Paul, and Paul was standing there, trying to take a steak and kidney pie <laughs> off of his guitar. <laughs> and I just stopped the band. I said, no, that's it. See ya. We have our standards. I, I didn't actually say in those sort of words. I was quite no, angry. We were just out of there. Yeah, and Buster Blood Vessel said to me, why did you walk off? And I went, I'm not going to be treated like that. And he went, but they really like you. <laughs> I'm thinking, they really like us. What would they do if they, they didn't, didn't like you? So, yeah, but he, he was taking a same kidney pudding <laughs> off of his guitar like that, trying to get it and all It wasn't off. even heated through. I know. No, it's frozen. Roaring places. Never yeah. forget that. Didn't you meet one and, of the, and didn't you meet a skinhead in Basildon after that? And yeah. He'd see Ben there, he thought you were really good. Yeah, he said, we, we, he said, we all really liked you. And I thought, really? And Richard Skinner said, you're a brave man. He said, I would never have gone out on stage in front of that crowd, never. No. Buster was quite apologetic. He, said, he was, he, he was He said, really that we nice can't guy. do anything about this, they follow us everywhere. Yeah. And... Uh, Hopefully they've all grown up now. I've only ever met him once, and I found it to be a gentleman. Yeah. He was nothing was like fun. I expected. Oh no, yeah, no, he's be. a nice guy. It's um, an image. It's just yeah, a little story, is a, which is funny to me. I love that. I never forget that. <laughs> so, talking about Paul for a while. Yeah. Um, obviously, it, it goes without saying, great singer, great mm. voice, very John Lennon. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that just he was just a huge fan like yourself, or is it was it just something that? Yeah, he was. Me and Paul used to sit down and just play Beatles songs in the hotel. Yeah, and they we, were like really we, good we we'd always sort of share a room, mm. and we'd always be just singing together. It's, you know, when when he died, it was for me. It was really hard. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. you know, but that was his natural voice, of course, as well. Yeah, that and was, it was his natural voice. He out. didn't go out of his way to sound no. like Paul McCartney or John Lennon. No, that just, was just the sound that came out of him. And I, when I saw him, I thought, I've got to get him in my band. I've just got to have him. In fact, you should have heard his Noddy Holder. That was... <laughs> he could do Noddy Holder better yeah, than Noddy Holder. Really? If he chose to, at a sound check, he would sing Noddy Holder like you'd never heard. Really. Oh, yeah. Tell it the guy. I've not heard that. Really? No. Well, you were probably in the dressing room having a cup of tea. Yeah. While I was sound checking your you guitar. sound check, Andy? What's that? Yeah. Oh, no, I was at the sound check. He's talking about he had after a, the He had a man check. do that for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little man in a Mackinac hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, obviously talking about Paul, your your memories yeah, of lovely Paul. Man. Um, as you say, you, you met him, you were playing together. Um, is it true that his last performance with you was at the CND show at the Gloucester Park, and he got up as a guest or something? Somebody told me that. I don't know how true that is, but your la the last performance as the Pinkies, apparently, as from my research, which probably ain't worth the paper it's written on, was that you played at some sort of CND or, or some sort of show at Gloucester we, Park we, in 1983. Yeah, I think we did, but I'm no, no, guest, Paul so. had already left. Yeah. And I was trying to carry on with the pinkies. Right. But it just wasn't going to work. And no, it wasn't the pinkies without Paul, was it? No. And, I mean, it, 
Paul told me that he was going to be leaving the band. Now, in Sweden, wasn't it? Yeah, we we we'd just done a TV show in Stockholm uh, yeah. called Casablanca, okay. and it's it's like the Swedish version of the whistle old grey whistle yeah. test, right. if you can remember. It's a serious show, I that, yeah. You know, and the bands played live. So we'd done it, and the sound was fantastic, wasn't it? It's out, it's out there on YouTube, and we yeah, played... Yeah, it's, it's on there. It's we on played YouTube live, songs. and it went out live. It was the yeah. scariest thing. Well, yeah. yeah. In fact, the first time the yeah. Pinkies ever done a TV show was Top of the Pops, and me and Paul sung it live. Yeah. And I've, we were the first band to sing live for about eight years, they said. Uh, yeah, there's a, a little note on the glider performance, and it just says live <laughs> vocals. Yeah. So I don't know if you had to sing to the track or whatever, but the vocals yeah. were always live on Top of the Pops. And well, yeah, you had to go always, in and... Re- but you, can, you could request it. You could yeah. request it. Um, um, and we requested it, and we'd done it. And, you know, it was, it was good. You know, I mean... To be f- and also that Top of the Pops was an unusual one because it actually went out live. Top of the Pops used to be recorded on a Wednesday, didn't it, and yeah, go out Wednesday. on a Thursday night. You were there all day, weren't you? All day yeah. rehearsal. But this particular show, and it was something to, I think there was um, a dispute with lighting technicians or something like that. Okay. So they, they had to do it live, right? So Paul, bear in mind, I mean, I'd done TV before with, you know, with Glider. Paul had never, ever done a TV show. And now he's on the biggest show in the world, biggest music show in the world, singing live, mm. and it's going out live. Mm. And he, he was just fantastic. He yeah. can do the job. He, he always done his apprenticeship. Paul always <laughs> yeah. delivered, you know. He yeah. never did he not deliver. And he's the loveliest guy you would Sweetest ever meet in your man. life. You know, you know what it's like after... Every time you have a gig, you always get someone come up to you and start talking to you, and you're thinking, yeah, look, mate, yeah, I appreciate it, but yeah. I really want to get all this gear out, I just want to get home. <laughs> no, that, that's what it's like sometimes, yeah, isn't it? Is, yeah. But Paul would stand there with his arms folded, and he'd be there for like half an hour mm-hmm. talking to this guy, wouldn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. he? He always showed yeah, interest in everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, he, when when he was buried at Her- Herringate, wasn't he? Yeah. I had to do the they asked me to do the eulogy and it was so tough for me that of course it is you know he's he's sort of there in a coffin next to me a pink coffin and pink I, wicker coffin wasn't it yeah pink wicker coffin and I'm talking about Paul and you know what we did and he's just there well you shared so much with him well we did you know, you know I'm I I mean I started singing with Paul in about 1976 because me and Kevin Turner we had a duo then Paul joined us in a trio. Because he could play flute and it just made a night. We used to do Annie's song and all that, you know, and he, everyone loved it. Because yeah. in those days, in a pub, you didn't see people playing a flute. No. No, I, no, I doubt you did. No. And everything was, of course, live. No, no nobody no, on their no phones. No backing tracks. Nobody on their phones. Yeah, yeah. I like what you said yeah, in your last podcast audience. about the phone thing, because you're right. Um, you don't have people's undivided attention in, no. The, no. in the way that we did. You don't. And, and talk, as, obviously, as, as, as when you're travelling around in the van, one of the other points that I made on the, on the podcast yeah. was about when you're, when you're a sort of a band of brothers, you're all working together. Yeah. These days, you turn up, you, you load the van, I'll put my headphones on, mate. My mate puts his headphones on, and we mm. arrive at the gig. But how many times did you either work on harmonies or work on structure or work on songs or have an idea for a song because there was only a bit of radio and maybe a book to read? What, in the van, you in mean? In the van. So also, never. No, never. I don't think never we ever, just, never no. did that in the van, did we? No. Because no. no. we always had plenty of rehearsal time to develop things. Yeah. So we basically knew what we were doing. Oh, yeah. The time I, mean, we I kind of meant but... that you, you kind of get to know each other so much more. Oh, so yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you definitely formed a bond. You, you all become like brothers. Because really. there's a chemistry on stage, isn't there? Yeah. With little nods and winks or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, Absolutely. You know, another verse and, you know, keep it going and stuff. People are dancing, go around yeah. again. And that kind of is, is manifested in the friendship that you, that you have when you're in each other's pockets. Yeah. But now there's, a, there's always a better party going on on your phone. Yeah, that's and it feels like it? a bit like that when, yeah. you're, when you're performing, and I'm sure you, you do a similar circuit too. To Mind me. you, yeah. I've got to be honest, I wish I had some film of the Flying Childers. <laughs> I'd love to have seen what that was like, you know, to look at it now. Yeah. But obviously no one had phones, no you one did, could... You did send me um, a little clip of um, recording a few weeks ago, which was I found really interesting. It was from 76. So Glider was... We'd released the album, we released a few singles on Warner Brothers... And we were basically, you you and Kevin were writing the next album. Possibly my brother Gareth might have been writing tracks as well. Was it Gareth who wrote the other song? Because they're the 14, he got one one song on the album. On the album or something, and it's Price and Turner is most of it. And then there's and Gareth Kidd is my brother. Kidd, yes. He was piano guitar, and he wrote one of the songs. So you yeah. guys, well, we were all working on the new tracks. Yeah. And we had 
we were so lucky. Our saxophone player, Keith Brown, and his brother, Duncan Brown, was our roadie, wasn't he? Yeah. And we, they had this great big house, his parents, in Romford, near Collier Row, and they basically adapted their whole quadruple garage into a rehearsal studio. For us. And we lived there for about two years as a band. Brilliant. It was a bit like yeah. the Monkees, wasn't it? Yeah. We just lived in this well, soundproof we garage. and we, we had, uh, Didn't live there, but we went there every day. Every day, yeah. yeah. Every day, and we just wrote, rehearsed, arranged, played, jammed for solid for at least a yeah. year. That's, that's so Andy sent me this um, recording. He said, these three tracks from Glider from 76, and I listened to them, and I have no rec- recollection of playing them or doing them. But after after a while, I realised they were like the the um, joining bit between Glider and Pinkies. You could see the way Andy was going. Mm-hmm. He was getting more rocky, um, more riffy. Um, Max Reinsch had joined as Glider by then, yeah. and he was the main guitarist, the lead guitarist in the Pinkies. Yeah. And you yes. could hear it, what was evolving. <clears throat> you know, it was much harder-edged than Glider. And yeah. uh, just those three tracks, real snapshot. I had no recollection of recording them. My bass player, I've got to say, I don't think I could even play it nowadays. It was so complex. But I'm sure it was me, because you said it was. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got the worst yeah. memory in the world, to but be it's, honest. We, did, we actually recorded the whole, a whole album. You don't remember this, do you? You've told me. What's we that? recorded a whole second album worth of material which um, is in the can somewhere, probably with Maud Brothers, but we've never heard it since. No. Yeah, I always wondered that. Yeah, it, we had a great follow-up album, but we uh, we couldn't release it. So. so it's sitting in a can somewhere. Uh, someone, someone must have it somewhere. Yeah. If you're yeah, but there, the trouble is, you, you know, you're, you're talking about nearly, well, about, about 45, 46 years ago. Tape yeah. doesn't last that long. You know, I mean, you know, to, when, when I was telling you about the pinkies, it's now been converted to digital. Yeah. That process destroys the original tape. Oh, right. I didn't know that. No, I didn't no. know that. No, but no. for some reason, it actually destroys the tape. And it's amazing that the tape still existed in good condition. Yeah, that they it did. is, yeah. You know. So that album, where, what studio? I do know what studio, but what, what, um, what was the studio and how did you come about to make the Pinkies album? Was it um, something that you always planned to do or was it just something... It's something I always planned to do. I mean, I even said to the guys when I saw them in their bands, like, come and join my band and I'll get you on top of the pops. And, and that is did. what I did. I <laughs> did actually... That's our crazy... It does sound crazy now saying that, but that's like what I said. That, that, yeah, that, you know, that is what I said to them. I said, join said my band, Andy, you know, it's all original songs, yeah. and I'll tell you now, within two years, you'll and be you on top of the you spoke me because I can't... I've only ever played original music since. And yeah. I'm basically, I'm a bass player and a percussionist. And all I want to do is play original music with great songwriters and mm. be behind them. And Andy and Kevin and the guys sport me for that. I do do covers. I will play covers. Mm. But kind of the work's been done and I'm just going to slavishly copy what has been yeah. done. And it doesn't have the same interest or passion for me. I just like original music. I, I totally understand. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I totally and if it. it if it takes off and it becomes a hit, happy days. You know. Anyways, I was going back to when we did. Sorry, you were. This no, is going to happen from time to yeah, time. Yeah, of course it is. You can always edit it. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't, mate. I'm not editing this. This is gold dust for me. But you know, we 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 was in Stockholm and and we done that TV show called Casablanca. Mm-hmm. It went out and then they announced that we were playing somewhere in Stockholm the next night, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, no, we had a residency in a club for a while. Oh, this is when that Paul was told you. This is when Paul told you he was leaving. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and and then Paul. You know, we was in a hotel, got all the TV people, the press and everything. And it, it was just, we were having a good drink. And Paul just said to me, right, I've had enough now. I went, all right, go to bed then. I said, see you in the morning. Like that. I thought that, yeah. when he said he'd had enough, I thought he meant he was tired. No, but he went, no, Andy, I've had enough. And I went, what do you mean? He went, I've had enough of the band. I can't do this anymore. He was going through a few problems at the time, which is personal. Yeah, of course. As we all were. Yeah. On and off, yeah. Yeah. Of course. And um, it's hard being away from home. Well, I was going to come to that because obviously I know Justin. I met Justin. You know a few Justin. Times. That's that's a shame. Yeah, never mind. Come eh? on. But, um, <laughs> He's yeah. your favourite son. But um, yeah. you would have had a young family at that particular time. I was. You? Yeah, Justin. When Leslie, my wife, who actually was one of the backing singers in the All Crucial Soul Band. Oh, do yeah. you remember them? Yeah, she's a, well, a player. Okay, no, I'll look them up. Oh, she's yeah. a band. Oh, well, yeah. you should look that band up because they're the only band that I know, local band that could fill the festival hall. Yeah, and the Palace Theatre. A 12-piece soul band. Brilliant. And they were great. And, um, yeah, Leslie was actually pregnant with Justin when we were recording (coughs) the Glider album in the studio. Yeah, 76, 5. So, obviously, a hard 
to try and be the man and the performer to try and juggle your private life with your family. Yeah. It was, but you've got to have a good woman. You know what they yeah, say: totally. every good man's got a good woman behind him. Yeah, what a crawler. Well, sometimes in front of them. Yeah, <laughs> pulling them along, <laughs> dragging them. You will do that. Hello, Justin um, had. Um, let me think. Auntie Mabel was it? Auntie yeah, Mabel? yeah. Because yeah. I. I, I Come across him a few times and uh, that crazy band on you. They were lunatics. Ben wasn't it? it was, uh, ben now lives in America. I remember him coming out of a fridge freezer one night for a gig. <laughs> I never saw them, but I wish yeah, I had. Car- carried in a big fridge freezer and Ben came out of it and started performing. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're, ahead of the they're, time. They're, they were pretty bizarre. Yeah, but um, he's yeah. a chip off the old block though, Justin. Isn't he? Yeah, he is. He yeah. really is. Uh, when you, I don't know it's, it seems so obvious, but but um, when I started chatting to you and I suddenly thought. That's oh, Justin Price, of course it is. <laughs> How do you know Justin then? I, I used to work in um, I did a little oh, bit the of leisure centre. The leisure centre. The I did center. listen to the podcast. Yeah, oh, no. and I they, they used to rehearse in a back room. And then we got talking. I used to go in there and talk guitars. And uh, I, I wrote out the words for Learning to Fly by Tom Petty for him because they cool. were singing it and they were blagging it. Good and, song. I, and I sat at the back and I said, Look, I've, t- I've written these out for you because I do a bit of this as well. And he told me to get hold of Derry and try and get a gig at the Chalverton Club. Yeah, which we, we subsequently did. Did you get one? We got one, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, we've played it a few times on, in various other disguises since. But yeah, I was going to say, so so Justin at that time would have been well, your wife was pregnant. Lizzie was yeah. was pregnant while you were trying to be on tour and trying to do all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, it's difficult, but it's you know, you, if you don't do it, well, that's how you earn yeah, your money, no. though, isn't yeah. it? That's, yeah. I've always said that, that that this is how I earn my money. So unfortunately, yeah. when my daughter rings me with two fake. At two in the morning and cries on the phone mm. you have to be quite a tough okay look and, yeah. and go off and do your job and yeah. this is a job where people will say um couple of minutes lads uh, which one is marcus you your name's just died anyway lads you're on yeah and you yeah. have to become that bloke that does Freeze the gig. paint <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's, it's strange and obviously mm. so you're performing live in stockholm at the yeah. time and live yeah adrenaline buzz oh yeah fantastic actually that, that is the most scared i've ever been performing because when I understood that we were going to be playing live as a band, but then then they dropped in. It might have been the language difficulty. And by the way, it goes out live as you play. And um, yeah, I did actually, I didn't freak, but I was very aware then. Because we've done, um, we, yeah, we've done live hundreds of times. Yeah, that, yeah. that actual thing, yeah. performance of those two songs but, on that yeah, Casablanca really show, I think that shows the pinkies in their real prime yeah you know the playing is full of energy so tight and and we were enjoying it as well you can see we're enjoying it yeah because we knew it was good it's infectious it's infectious and the harmonies as well and yeah always great and and the the tv sound was good i mean the picture quality is awful because someone's recorded it on video yeah Yeah. you know i remember also that week we um we bumped into a swedish band who funnily enough i met about 10 years later in when they played at the basement club in chelmsford but that's another story Anyway, mm-hmm. we bumped into this band and um, they came to see us at the club we were playing at. We played there know, maybe five nights on the trot in this big upstairs club, which was a good good night. And they said, oh, we like what you're doing. And uh, you did the show, a TV show. Would you like to come and see us recording tomorrow? We, you know, you might be interested. I said, I said, yeah, sure. Where are you doing it? He said, well, we're in Abba's studio. That's right. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And I said, well, we arranged to meet at 10.30, such and such a place. But anyway, off we went to the bar. I woke up about 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> I never got to the studio. I did. I went there. Did you go? We recorded in there. Oh, wow. We recorded a backing track or something in there. Really? Where was I? I you was there. <laughs> she was there. Were you there but not there, Neville? Is that he what was. He was there. And, no uh, but their studio was incredible. It was like being in a cave. It was all rock. I wish I could remember being there. Yeah. That's one of the few things I can remember. No, I definitely now, go. You know, if if you had Paul Reynolds here, the drummer in the Pinkies, he Which, as would know. He is the um. He'll even tell you what the weather bleed. was he's like. He's the anorak, is he? Just no, is. he would tell you yeah. what the weather was like in October the first, nineteen eighty nine. He remembers. He remembers. Which is weird because all through everything. the tour, with we toured all over the UK with the Pinkies, mainly in the back of a van with two great. Ro- ro- we should mention the roadies. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Who's still around? Isn't he? In yeah. Okay. Char- everyone knows Charlie, and um. Big Andy, Andy Matthews. Yeah, Big Andy, Big Andy Matthews. Matthews was um, Alison Moyer's minder. And on his days off, he drove for us. Wow. He had um, he had a punk look, didn't he? He had yeah. a Mohican about 
two foot high off his head. He's about your he's sort still, of size. He's still six foot six anyway, so he's about seven foot six with yeah. a Mohican. <laughs> yeah. And he was really, um, well, both our guys were great. He was a yeah. sweet gentleman, but um, he had the right effect, didn't he, on them? On people and getting things done. Yeah. The only thing yeah. with playing in bands, you know, like like the Pinkies and Glider, is that you don't have to set any gear up because you have roadies, and that does not. Oh, the joy makes a massive. That difference. just makes a huge yeah. difference in your life when you have to go start doing gigs again. Yeah. And taking your own gear and setting it all up. Squeezing it all in the back of an estate car, yeah. like a jigsaw We've puzzle. gone round full circle, haven't we? Let's face it. Yeah, we have. But, but I saw, we don't care. I saw, I saw a band, which I really <laughs> like, this band. They're called The Lone Bellow. Have you ever heard of them? Um, I can't, no, I've got to be the honest. The Lone Bellow. But I'll look well, they're, 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 they're quite a big American them. band. If you check them out on YouTube, I will do, they yeah. are fantastic live. Really fantastic. And we, um, two years ago, we, we went to see them in a, in a gig in London, it's a place in the O2 that have, that is like an inside. Of oh, a smaller venue inside. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's around, called. Or? It won't come to me now. Yeah, um, but it's the, yeah. yeah, it's a smaller. Well, smaller. we 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 went to see the see the um, the Lone Bella. Indigo. Yeah, the Indigo. 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 I think it was there anyway, and they were fantastic. And then anyway, they you know come on done the encore. Then they went off, and we're all standing there having a drink. And all of a sudden, the band come on, and start getting their own gear out, and. And like I was standing there talking to him, and and that really, it yeah, it surprised me that yeah. you know, because I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. They said, "Well, you know, we 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 do this. This is this is what we do." And if you're playing as much as you guys are playing, and you have got the roadies coming, they don't know your settings. Yeah, they did know. you sound check most of the time, or was it just a case of straight on? Everyone kind of no, generally sound check. Pretty much knows. Yeah. Well, you didn't, did you? Because you had someone doing it. No, no, the only time I used to do this... No, the only time I wasn't at the sound check is when they were doing the drums, because for me, there's nothing worse than hearing boom, boom. No one wants to hear the drum. Just a bit of kick drum. Just a bit of kick drum. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, more kick drum, please. You know, and if you have to sit through, like, 20 minutes of that every day of your life... Yeah, I... I think my favourite sound check was... Was it Pinkies that we supported? um, The band who did Native New Yorker. Odyssey. Odyssey. That's a weird At Fairfield Horse Croydon. Yeah, it was Fairfield. a real oh, mismatch. That wooden, I was going to say, there's that wooden place. It is. It's like a... Fairfield Hall. It's Fairfield on the big... Hall, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's quite a big a, hall. Like a 1950s... No, this, it really is an old school sort of stage. 1950s yeah. sort of place, yeah. Yeah. A big venue. And it was a complete mismatch booking. Yeah, it's but not nevertheless, our gig. It was our support gig. We got paid. And yeah. um, I remember we on, they, they did their sound check first and they had the biggest, baddest bass player I've ever seen. He's a very huge man. And he was playing the the thumping and the thwacking and the pulling and the twanging. His yeah. bass sound check went on for about five minutes. So it's filling the hall. He was like, I go on. He says a bit of bass, please. I just went bong. He went thank you. But the other guy got five minutes. Yeah, it's funny. That's support band for you. Uh, your support, That's uh, what uh, your um, your sound check gets shorter and shorter as yeah. you get more and more experienced. I think so. Yeah, you know, two, two, one, two. Yeah, that all works. I know my sound. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to check it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't know what it's like out front. That's the thing. Well, you kind of do. But yeah, you, you have to put your hands. You, you know, put all your faith in the people out front, and we had good people, didn't we? Charlie, you'd have played enough shows engineer. where, you, where yeah. you knew the sound was bad on stage, but out yeah. there, yeah, that's all that really matters. If you've got a sound crew you can trust, yeah, you know that they're going to do. Well, Charlie did sound for us, and he also did pyrotechnics. Do you remember? He used to explode yeah. things on the stage for yeah. effect towards the end. Yeah, oh, no. no, no, because we we, we did a lot of university. Not. We done like university tour. Yeah, when we had we? the that, um, top ten hit, yeah. we then moved up a scale. So we left the pubs of Basel and, and we played around London, a lot of the um, yeah. Golden Lion, all those pubs, Dingwalls, Dingwalls, you know, Dingwalls, I, I, I know of it, yeah, yeah. the Rock Garden. So we did all that circuit, the Cartoon, yeah. in the south of the river, a Blackwall Tunnel Club. Yeah, there's a good story there. But anyway, as soon as we had their top ten single, we suddenly moved up. The agents got us um, like thousand pound a night in every university in the UK, and yeah. that's when we started touring around. And that, that's where it really took off. Yeah. You know, like we had great gigs in the universities. Big PA's supplied and lighting. Great, great awesome. fan base and great crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ready-made audience. Yeah, yeah I always prefer to have a drunk audience. I think it really helps. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't have to sort of bar tab. You just don't want a drunk no. sound. Yeah. We, we Did actually... you ever go on stage drunk? I have to ask, no. ask you that. Only once. Actually, no. do you know, I think that was... Me only once. Is this going out live? No, it's not live. Well, my no, mum hear no. this. Your mum won't. No, okay, no, good. It'll go out, it goes out Friday. That would be difficult, actually. But 
the last gig the Pinkies ever did was my 30th birthday party in Collier Row. Right. And I rang everybody. We'd, we'd finished by then. We'd fizzled out, whatever. And we're all doing different things. And I was 30, and I said, I rang the guys around and said, would you come and play at my 30th birthday party? And they all said, yes, Neville, we will. Because so love. Because you love me. And um, so we did it in the Collier Row <laughs> Social Club, which I'd rented at great expense, probably tenner. Yeah. And um, I made the mistake, the fatal error, of standing at the door and greeting all my friends as they came in next to the bar and they all bought me a drink as I came in so by the time we went on with the band that was the only time I ever played drunk I don't remember the gig but I hear it was awful especially me you can't play when you're drunk no so no, I can't. never I have before or since I've said many times that, and I the worst thing I'm me. a bit of an old woman when it comes to stuff like that but yeah but the truth of it is that if I worked in a bank I wouldn't turn up drunk, right? And no, if exactly. I, you know, so in the other day, I'm there on a, on a Friday or Saturday night <clears> to do my job. In my defence, Your Honour, it's my birthday and I'll cry if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> was, but, but never again before I sit. I'd love, I wouldn't like to hear a take of that. My thanks to Andy and Neville there for their time. Don't forget to tune in next week to hear the second half of their interview. Thanks for listening to Grassroots Music UK podcast, The Final Curtain Call. We'll be back next week, 6pm on Friday. Until then, you take care. Yours in Music signing off. Bye-bye for now.